Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harshberger, President of Measurable Results, LLC, and martinharshberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Hi, welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. I'm Martin Harshberger, host. Uh, this morning, I have Andrew Johnson, the owner of ShelfAware. Welcome, Andrew. Yeah, thank you, Martin. Thanks for having me. Let's let's talk about what shelfware is. We we briefly touched on that before we got into the, the podcast, but uh, fill sure. us in. Sure, shelfware is um, well originally designed to be a, a digital VMI for manufacturing consumers. Um, we equip manufacturing suppliers, like my family business, that's where this whole thing started, to supply manufacturers with the products that they they need. Um, but we supply them with smart RFID labels so that we can track the consumption of those products on the factory floor, drive that consumption data back to the supplier or suppliers involved so that they can replenish the components back to the manufacturing level. So what, who are your customers? I mean, do you primarily deal with large manufacturers or? Uh... It's a, it's right now a pretty varied mix. We have some installations in uh, Ingersoll Rand, for instance, it's a really large manufacturing um, outfit um, and we're installed at one of their operating companies in Pennsylvania that's producing uh, chemical dosing pumps. Um, we also have some small to medium manufacturers like uh, Oil Gear in Fremont, Nebraska, um, and then several fluid power companies out of the Ligon Hydraulic Group. So they make hydraulic cylinders, um, but it could really it can really go anywhere. It's a fairly flexible technology that just uses these these cheap smart labels that used to be expensive, but now they're really yeah. inexpensive. Um, and so it could be really any. It's it's the software is purpose built for for B two B supply chains. So wholesale supply chains are our ideal mix um, for a number of reasons. But it could really it could really go in any industry. We just happen to start in the manufacturing world because of my background in industrial distribution. Gotcha. How do you sell your services? Well, as a platform, we could sell it either way. So sometimes I'll I'll, um, present the solution to manufacturing companies, typically would be consumers in the supply chain um, ecosystem in our our world. And uh, I sell it around efficiency. So I say, hey, you want to have a better, closer tie with your supply base, your trusted suppliers? and give them the best chance of never running you out of inventory and keeping your inventory really lean, well, then the only way to do that is to allow them to see your data. So you have to provide them granular consumption data of your products and in real time. That's the best chance you'll have of, of never stocking out of these much needed components. And so uh, we can sell it that way to the manufacturer. And if um, you know they obviously want to go down that digital innovation automation journey with us, then the next conversation usually starts with their trusted suppliers. So if they like their fastener supplier, or if they like their bearing supplier, um, we'll go with them and present the solution to their, their supplier. And the suppliers have always, I've never had anybody say no. Um, They always say yes, when, when properly educated and 
when I'm backed up by the consumer themselves. And um, the equipping process is pretty simple. We use off-the-shelf uh, Zebra label printers that print and encode these smart tags. Uh, that label printer is installed at the supplier's facility. They, they probably already have one. Uh, if, if they have a Zebra label printer, we can make it RFID capable for like $1,000. And we're really replacing the old school wholesale supply chains, which all centered around purchase orders. Um, and it was a, a kind of a, a pole system from the manufacturing purchasing team and supply chain management team. So they'd have, you know, teams of individuals, buyers, junior buyers, senior buyers, cutting purchase orders to all their suppliers. And in a lot of ways, shelfware can replace a lot of the mundane activities, those reorders for the parts that they use day in and day out. Those all just get automated and driven by actual consumption data. So it's a win-win for both suppliers and consumers. So we can sell it either way. Um, other times I'll go directly to the suppliers and say, hey, um, we have a digital VMI. It's a great value-added service offering. You can partner with your manufacturing consumers on. Uh, it's quick to deploy, easy to set up. And it, it really, for the suppliers, replaces older versions of vendor managed inventories, which revolve around dudes and trucks driving around, going on site, checking inventory at the customer's facility, filling out orders, going back to their warehouse or branch location, putting an order together, then driving it back to the facility. We replace all of that. And we can also replace the whole, if you've ever looked at Fastenal's model, replace vending machines, smart lockers, all of that stuff gets replaced by smart packaging and we can turn any pallet rack or shelving into a virtual vending machine. Walmart's been doing for years without the, uh, without the technology, I guess. I'm not sure how Walmart does it, but I know they've got a direct tie to their distribution centers and their manufacturers. Yeah. Actually, Walmart just implemented RFID smart labels for their top 100 suppliers. Again, they tried it a long time ago, like a little over a decade ago and it failed because the RFID tech, which has been around a long time, which is not as cheap as it is now and not as easy to play with. It's very user-friendly now. So they've they've tried, Walmart is trying it again. Um, if you want to compare it to something in the retail marketplace, it's very similar, Shelfware is very similar to the Amazon Go concept. It's this idea that Amazon's put out in the convenience store space where you can walk into a convenience store. It's totally autonomous, unmanned. Grab anything off the shelf and walk out and you don't talk to a clerk, there's really no employees in the store, grab whatever you need, Coke, you know, bag of chips, a beef stick <laughs> out the door and they charge your Amazon account and um, it's all remote and autonomous. So how does it track the person coming in? Uh, and the Amazon concept, which is now rebranded to something called just walk out, they actually use your credit card. So you swipe your credit card on the oh, way okay. in the door. Yeah. And then once you're in the store, anything you grab, they use facial recognition software to assign it to you. Um, and they have some advantages that we don't have in the industrial space to do this with a set of cameras. And that is all of the retail products are branded. And so the cameras can easily distinguish what the craft Mayo looks like or what the Coca-Cola bottle looks like in the industrial space. A lot of our stuff that we consume in these supply chains is really custom, complex, highly engineered, never really to be repeated. And so Shelfware relies on these trusted suppliers to, to bag and tag these products and identify them before they leave the supplier's facility. So then when they arrive at the consumer's facility, we, we can give them that magical user interface. So the blue collar folks who are, are paid and um, graded off of how fast and accurately they assemble a motor or a pump or a valve, um, they do care about inventory. You have to recognize they, they do care about that to an extent, though. I mean, if you're going to try and 
make them keep track of all the little piddly stuff that they're consuming on a daily basis to build the pumps, motors, and valves. You just don't have great adoption over long periods of time. So we knew that we had to find a, a more magical way to track their inventory consumption um, remotely than barcodes or clipboards or people's eyeballs. They just weren't reliable. We didn't get enough data and it, it was never really repeatable or scalable. So that's when we came up with, with Shellforward to do that. We're, in essence, we're just spying, spying on their movements. So that would be uh, useful for high, high volume material, right? I mean, where you're mm -hmm. essentially using it. So somebody that's in, a, say, a job shop where they have a lot of turnover and a lot of different parts and that kind of thing, how would that help them? I mean, because no, you, like you may use something today and you may not use it again for three months. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it's It certainly varies, you know, from application to application. The job shop environment on the inbound materials of, of like, let's say you're a job shop that uh, refurbishes um, diesel engines. You never really know what, what engine maker model is going to pull in the front of your shop. So you never really know on your back end supply chain, you know, what you're going to be purchasing. That level of customization is, is not really a great fit for shelfware. Um, and so we would probably shift in the job shop environment to more of an M MRO um, inventory supply program. So even at the job shop, we shelfware would fit really well on your MRO supplies because there are consumables that they're going to use on every job, you know, regardless of what diesel engine yeah. it is. And be stuff like abrasives, janitorial, uh, lubricants, um, cleaning fluids, cutting tools, um, you know, sandpaper, honing rods. We can apply shelfware with an MRO supplier and keep all of their MRO supplies in stock. But for like the onesie, twosie stuff they're going to buy, you're, you're, you're right. There's no great way repetitive way, system automated way to, to do that. They're going to have to assess the motor when it arrives, figure out what they need to buy from a spare parts perspective, you know, to re-outfit that motor and, and buy those things in a one-off fashion. So yeah, we are best applied in repeatable supply chains, but on the, on the OE side, the large complex motor manufacturer, there is still in manufacturing an incredibly long tail of inventory in these supply chains that, that is not purchased and consumed regularly. Um, and you might see out of a thousand inventory SKUs, like let's say fasteners at a motor manufacturer, they might have a thousand fastener SKUs. Only a hundred to 200 are going to be what we'd call kind of A-class SKUs. The other 800 are terrible. I mean, it's, it's sporadic yeah, at best. Yeah. Um, but, and so we do still you track, do. Yeah. Do you supply usage tracking on, on that? I mean, how, how does that, you're actually- yeah, so so, so we're actually, we're tracking the package quantities and we're, we're supplying usage data, consumption data to both supplier and consumer through our web-based application. Um, and the, the, the beauty is we can track any, we can track these really complex OEM inventories because with package tracking, we're not tracking one each flows for each item and we're not tracking pallet loads. We can really track anything all the way down to one each, all the way up to pallet loads. So for the top 200 SKUs that they go through a lot of, you might be tracking thousand piece case counts. So every time they consume a case, we'll have a data point, thousand piece case just left, you know, the inventory area. I got you. And on the B and C class items, we might be tracking them like five or 10 at a time in poly bags, little bag of 10. It would kind of look like Lowe's or Home Depot at that point, but um, maybe they only use a few at a time of some item. Oh, well, we're not going to track a thousand piece case count there. We're going to track a handful of parts in a poly bag. Um, and so with that kind of flexibility, we can go across these really complex supply chains and then give everybody involved, supplier and consumer, some phenomenally accurate 
uh, granular uh, inventory consumption data. And um, we spool that, of course, into usage analytics, and that's how we're right-sizing these inventories. Um, and oftentimes, we'll reduce manufacturers' on-hand inventory by 65 to 75%. That's huge for manufacturers. Where do you, where do you uh, measure consumption? When they relieve inventory? Yeah, when, when the manufacturing employees, and it see, again, depends on a wide variety of, of scenarios. So we'll have some manufacturing facilities, like um, I'm, I'm based out of Kansas City, and we have an installation down the street at a gearbox manufacturer. And they run cellular manufacturing, and they have three shifts, uh, quite a bit of turnover, and they have no inventory management. So uh, all of the cell managers are in, in charge of replenishing their own cells with consumables. So the inventory that, that we track for them at the Screwbox manufacturer. It's a, it's a bit messy because of that. Um, and it's got people going in and out of it all the time. Uh, the way we track it is you have to present any packages you pull to a, it's basically a checkout station. It's got a LED light that changes colors. But again, not a barcode, not like a, I, I really don't like to compare us to like a grocery store self-checkout because that's barcode driven. So you got to get a visual barcode scan on each item. With Shelfware, the advantage, the magical user experience is they can grab whatever they need, um, maybe 20, 30 things, put them in a plastic tote, walk over to our station, walk past the station, one light flashes, they go back to work. Because the RFID- The whole tote? The, the whole tote, yeah, in, in wow, a millisecond. that's interesting, that's cool. Yeah, and it's radio frequency that you use all the time. We just don't really associate it with it in our minds, but Bluetooth radio, it's on the same bandwidth spectrum, or just below the bandwidth spectrum of Bluetooth. Uh, so these radio tags that are attached to these smart packages, they're proximity-based reads, non-visual. They can go right through the plastic tote, you know, a wooden crate, um, right through somebody's hands. So you could be holding 20 things in your hands, um, walk up to our station, one LED flashes and go back to work. Um, so we have that musical, uh, magical experience. And we just kind of, we, we, our training's like 45 seconds. So we talk to these blue collar folks who say, look, you'll never run out of inventory. If you just follow this one magical rule, look for the light to flash in the station, go back to work. That's cool. That's, I like it. Uh, you know, dealing with manufacturers myself, uh, there's, there's so many hidden costs with inventory. Like you run out, you've got to expedite parts in. I, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I worked with a manufacturer a few years ago where his inbound freight, because it was expedited, was driving, I mean, it was a huge Immense. number. And it yeah. was because he hadn't managed that inventory and he hadn't had the visibility. And you know, it's not just the material. That's what people look yeah. at or the inventory no. turns. It's everything associated yeah. with it. You shut a line down because you don't have something. You have to do a changeover. Yeah. So there's a lot of hidden costs with it. Yeah. Uh, Shelfware, um, I mean, I think that's our advantages. We were built by practitioners. So I hinted at it a little bit earlier, but this whole thing was born out of my family business called O-Ring Sales and Service. And they're an O-Ring distributor, O-Ring Seals and Gaskets. They sell primarily to the OEM market. So um, they have pumps and motors and fluid power customers who are building these pretty complex assemblies riddled with O-rings and gaskets. And that's been my entire life. And I was well aware of, of those soft costs, um, like stocking somebody out of a two penny O-ring and shutting their line down. Like, trust me, we heard about that. Um, we would get terrible phone calls. Uh, how could you shut us down for a five cent part? And it's like, well, you know, an O-ring might be cheap, but it's still fairly engineered. And a lot of times with customized materials, there could be like a 16... 20 week lead time on some of this stuff. So it's not necessarily commodities anymore. They're fairly highly engineered components, but they're still five cents. And to shut down a manufacturing facility over a nickel part was atrocious. And so we, we had that in the back of our minds. We also had like this whole 
this whole manufacturing mentality in our heads all the time when we invented shelfware, knowing what our consumers and users would and wouldn't do, how they worked, what their preferences were, uh, how they liked to operate, and what we thought they would adopt long term. So we we built this whole system uh, with that in mind. Um, we knew that no manufacturing company was going to spend. It's hard to convince them to spend fifteen or twenty grand to prop up some high tech system. So we built shelfware on the cheap. It uses like off the shelf hardware. There's no upfront costs, and it's um, just uh, paid for by the supplier on a, on a monthly subscription basis. And so guarantee. Yeah, that was one of my questions. So this is subscription based. Yeah, subscription base. We don't charge anybody until it gets installed, and um, we charge a fixed flat monthly fee, and we maintain the hardware that's deployed, and it's all wrapped up in that that um, so slick. So both the manufacturer fee. and the in the supply chain pays you. They they, pay they, they can they can split the cost. We have people doing it a number of different ways, but they can split the monthly cost to install on a, a particular product vertical with one of their suppliers. Um, but typically. In the industrial world, the cost of what we call vendor-managed inventory systems, they're borne by the supplier and baked into the cost of the parts. Um, mm -hmm. So that's well, a lot of suppliers thing. are used to doing that. So that's typically how they'll operate. They'll pay our flat fees and then sell the products and then they make their money on um, product-based margins. Um, where we have the advantages, we're, we're really inexpensive. And so typically supplier consumers are saving thousands of dollars a month managing their inventory on shuffleware versus the other approach, which is usually people in trucks driving around. So you had time, mileage, truck lease, uh, labor, which is really hard to find. And then with COVID, you had this issue with independent contractors from suppliers coming on site to check inventory levels. And it's like, nobody wanted to see them in their back door during COVID. Yeah. Okay, we, we don't need anybody else walking in this facility right now. And that was, again, another another advantage that helped, helped us penetrate the market a little faster was COVID honestly kind of highlighted that remote aspect of shelfware. So how did you get into this? How did you, how did you start this? But what, what generated the idea? Selfish ambition. Our family business was looking to grow and my brothers and I are hyper obsessed with um, the soft costs. We call it cost to serve. Um, there's another business writer, author, speaker, his name's Bruce Merrifield, who has talked a lot about this and I've, studied a lot of his stuff around cost to serve, but it's the idea that a lot of distributors don't really um, appreciate the cost to serve an individual customer. And they get kind of wrapped up starry eyed with the whole idea of big revenue accounts. And so we're in that OEM marketplace and you do get awestruck by a million dollar annual spend on O-rings and you're after that million dollar account. You don't stop to realize that the cost to serve that account is really, really high and it's cutting into our profit dollars. That's a great point. Yeah. So we, we were hyper obsessed with that. I don't know because of inputs like Bruce and others. And so my brothers and I have set up, set up, set up this plan up in 2012, actually started a decade ago um, when we said, we're going to grow my dad's business and we're going to grow it efficiently. So we're not taking just any growth. We're only going to grow efficiently. So we became hyper obsessed with, um, digital innovation, process automation, and all of our early projects from 2012 to 2015 were internal innovation. So as a distributor, there's lots of soft costs in just moving product around the warehouse and picking, packing, pulling it faster, more efficiently, more accurately. Mistakes are very costly. So we were hyper obsessed with um, internal operational excellence. And we did that for like three years. And then um, after kind of perfecting our internal operations, um, our sales staff was like, hey, all this stuff's great. 
but can we finally get around to inventing something that makes us uh, stand out in the industry? Can we, can we come up with an external innovation that would drive value into our customer base and, and give us a differentiator that we could sell on? And so in 2015, we, we came up with Shelfware, focusing our innovation efforts around this whole concept of vendor-managed inventory, saw the need growing in the marketplace and the desire from manufacturers to employ and deploy more VMI scenarios. Um, if you just look at Fastenal, they've, they've really got the market cornered on this whole mentality. And so we kind of said, hey, how can we do what Fastenal does, but without branch locations and people? So how can we do it efficiently? And that's when we landed on RFID technology. It had gotten cheaper and easier to use. We just kind of got lucky there with the timing. Deployed Shelfware as a, as a concept in 2015. We have some intellectual properties and patents filed that same year. Um, on the system, on the hardware, on the software. And uh, it was out of selfish ambition, a desire to grow our company, but we just didn't want to grow the traditional way, which is branch locations and more people. Um, so yeah, deployed it in 15, worked out better than we thought it would work. Um, started marketing it to our own customer base, um, installed it through O-Ring Sales and Service three or four times, wrapping up giant accounts, accounts we'd always wanted and we never thought we could get. Uh, we consolidated them on the shelf war platform because manufacturing consumers saw that it was wildly efficient, would give them leaner inventory, and that their folks on the factory floor would adopt it because it was easy and almost magical to use. So did that for two years, uh, helped us triple my dad's business in revenue. Um, and we obviously, with all the success, saw that, hey, this was a great um, system. And at the same time, we had our initial installation. So our manufacturing consumers who we had installed at first were coming back to us saying, the system's incredible, but you just sell O-rings. Like, can't you sell us more stuff on Shelfware? And so my dad's generation, of course, thinking about Fastenal, he's like, oh yeah, we can, we can sell you fasteners. We can sell you hoses and fittings. And my brothers and I were like, like we're not any good at that stuff. And, and it's going to take us a long time to get good at that and capitalize all the inventory to bring on those product lines. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when we had a bit of an argument with my dad about, hey, the fork in the road. Do we become a general line distributor to the manufacturing marketplace, or do we become a? Do we continue to stay a specialized distributor and find out a way to give other specialized distributors the shelf or platform? So we built it into a web web based application, and um, that allowed us then to license the system to other suppliers. So well, it opened up the whole world to you. Uh, correct. If you became a full distributor, you'd become a competitor where here your support function yeah. to those other companies without. So it's a great plan. I love it. Very slick. Yeah. We call it, uh, we have a funny name for it now. We call it cloud sourcing, but it's this idea where you can offer a, a slick inventory management system like, you know, shelf aware and all of our RFID magic. We can put that in the hands of highly specialized distributors and manufacturing suppliers they can do with it what they will, or we can grow collectively on the system. And so we're watching all that play out right now. Uh, and it's pretty incredible to watch. Uh, our first shelfware installation is now using our platform for five independent product verticals. So they're this gearbox manufacturers consuming O-rings, hoses and fittings, packaging materials and fasteners. And they're, they're trying to add uh, bearings to the platform. So they'll have five independent product verticals supplied by highly specialized highly engineered niche suppliers, but all on one platform. So it's a very efficient system. They're purchasing and supply chain individuals at the manufacturing facility can 
log into this omni-channel platform and view all of the four or 5,000 different inventory SKUs collectively, break them out by product group, break them down by product value, break them down by on-hand value, break them down by, you know, whatever, or they can break them down by supplier and look at them individually. So it's kind of the best of all worlds. It's a great win-win. And it's, it's what we're trying to build out is this idea of um, niche suppliers working together collectively on an omni-channel. And, and frankly, we're, we're trying to push back against the fast snalls, the Grangers, the MSCs, the Amazon businesses of the world and carve out a, a place for niche industrial suppliers to continue to thrive, not just survive. Awesome. I like, it's a great idea. And I see your strategy. I mean, you're exactly right. You did hit a crossroads. And I, from my humble perspective, I think you hit, you took the right choice because otherwise yeah. there are costs. And, uh, so yeah, I, I think it. we did. We didn't know it for a while. I mean, we're second guessing <laughs> ourselves after we had to start sinking like hundreds of thousands of dollars into the software application to, to develop it further. You know, we were like, boy, didn't we make the right choice? Maybe we should have just bought some fasteners and sold them to the gearbox. But the thing is you just spent that money anyway on, on inventory and, and the cost of trying to learn about it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Probably open so. a bigger market for sure. Yeah. We have no regrets. We're still a, uh, we're still a small company. It's still family owned. Um, you know, my, my family business, the O-ring company is still my, my, um, my sole source of capital. They believe in it. Obviously they run a large portion of their business on the shelf or platform. So they want it to get better and stronger and faster. And um, we're continuing to make great progress in the manufacturing market. Our biggest hurdle being nobody knows about it uh, because we are small. So, you know, we don't have yeah. some massive marketing budget and this is, you know, podcast influencers like yourself, uh, thought leaders like yourself are the, the best way for us to get the word out about, Hey, there's a more efficient way to do business with the companies and suppliers you love. Um, and you don't have to buy from the fastenals of the world who they're, I keep picking on them, but they're, they've gotten so big. Some of these conglomerates that they've become good at everything and, and great at nothing. And we want to bring back the specialty, the, the niche supplier into the fold. Gotcha. What's your future focus the next three years? Next three years is strictly focused on building out the supply side of shelfware. So we're hunting for um, the best industrial suppliers in each product vertical niche. And ideally, we fill all of those product vertical niches with the best suppliers so that we can go to the market collectively as a powerful team and supply some of the industry's largest consumers. So that's our, that's our focus is on this idea of cloud sourcing the base technology RFID and smart labels continues to get better and um, even cheaper. Um, the problem we're finding on that side is the retail market is exploding in its adoption of RFID. And so we're, we're somewhat battling for supply of RFID inlays now with giants like Walmart and Target um, and UPS. UPS just announced they're going to start using RFID smart labels in, in 100 of their sorting facilities across America and they have 20 million, they're estimating 20 million tags will be scanned every day. And they're going to save $500 million in soft costs in the first year. So that's got us a little bit, you know, worried because it's uh, the technology itself is going crazy because, you know, it has a really, really bright future. So um, as long as we can keep our supply of smart labels flowing strongly and I'm confident that that market's going to continue to get better. We just need to keep focused on finding the best suppliers to operate on the platform. 
Well, that seems like that's your way to sell too. If you if you sign a supplier, then they automatically go out to the manufacturers and try to push it for you. Yeah, yeah. I have a sales force that's just signing up, lining up. You know. Yeah. So it is. It's kind of self serving. Again, when you create this win win environment, it is pretty self fulfilling. So that's our that's our focus. Um, my individual focus is, of course, doing stuff like this to get the word out about it. What haven't I asked you? You want to talk about that? Uh other people need to know about. I think we've covered a lot of stuff. Am I left anything out? Well, I having having created a high tech solution, um, a lot of people look at what we've done at O Ring Sales and Shelfware and are kind of just and, and I don't know, amazed is too strong of a word, but they're like, wow, you know, um, our organization can never do that. And I think the message I have for everybody that it just needs to be told is. Anybody can do this. And it's the beautiful thing about technology where we're at today in this country. We have this fantastic infrastructure in the cloud from Amazon Web Service and Google Cloud and incredible pieces of technology that are off the shelf from great providers of hardware and software that um, if me and my three brother-in-laws who have no tech background uh, coming into any of this, we were a bunch of college dropouts and uh, I have an accounting bachelor's. Um, my other brother-in-law is a, a physical education major. One brother-in-law dropped out of college and the other brother-in-law is a mechanical engineer. Okay. So we have no background in technology and we just had a real drive for efficiency. Uh, we had a real passion uh, towards optimization and, and we just had this kind of we can do it attitude. Um, and we strung these innovations together over the course of years and that slowly built up our our wins and our momentum and our expertise in the categories and our connections with other tech providers and smart people. So my message is stop waiting. Uh, the technology is everywhere. Um, and then from a manufacturing perspective, there's no reason you can't use robotics and analytics. There's no reason your operation can't be like digital all the way. It's just up to you and your employees to tackle this stuff. You don't need outside consultants. You don't need to pay the big software providers huge amounts of money. This is not expensive. It just costs you a lot of time and passion and energy. And that's really all it takes. Uh, so if, if me and my, my three dummy brother-in-laws can do it, anybody can do it. We're, we're not geniuses. We're just normal people. Um, and it's, it's very accessible. So people just have to get their hands dirty. Gotcha. Well, how do people get in touch with you, Andrew? They want to, they want to learn more. Yeah, best way to, to find me is probably through LinkedIn. Um, you can just go to LinkedIn and type in Andrew Johnson, Supply Chain Innovator. Uh, my name's so common that I made Supply Chain Innovator my last name. So Andrew Johnson, Supply Chain Innovator. You'll find me on LinkedIn. Um, or you can go to YouTube if you want to learn more about ShelfAware. Uh, go to YouTube and type in ShelfAware, all one word. You'll find our YouTube channel. It's filled with lots of short videos of everything we do in the manufacturing marketplace. Uh, you'll see me, unfortunately, it's my face a lot out and about at the manufacturing facilities, filming us installing shelfware, running audits on shelfware, uh, and talking to manufacturing users and suppliers about innovation technology. And so, yeah, that's the best way. If you wanna reach out to me directly, you can shoot me an email too. It's just andrew at shelfawarevmi, as in vendor managed inventory.com. Right, the link will be in the podcast as well. Oh, thank you, Martin. All right. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Thanks for your yeah. time. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. 
If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain that would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss an episode, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harsberger or through my website, www.martinharsberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.